And welcome to 35mm Perspective, a podcast where we watch movies and tell you what we thought about them. I am your host today, my name is Jacob Coots, and I am joined by my co-host, Grant Vortex. Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jacob, I think. Um, not feeling, you know, I'm a little bit tired. Uh, not feeling mentally inspired or stimulated, uh, which is... Probably won't come as a surprise, given the movie that we watched yeah. this week, which was... A direct result of that. Yeah, the movie we watched this week, which was Jexy. But before we get to our reviews for that... What movie? Uh, Jexy. What? Exactly. <laughs> but before we get to our review of that, we've got some trailers to go over. So without much further ado, let's just roll on right into those. All right, before we get to our most brutal review we've ever done, we have to get through some pretty light trailers. There's going to be a couple of tonal shifts going on in this podcast. The first movie is a trailer that just dropped during the Sunday night football game, and that's Doolittle. The original working title for this was Voyage of Dr. Doolittle. And the first thing I just got to say about this movie is the cast is ridiculous. Pretty much anyone who's ever acted, I think, is in this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't realize that um, they were dropping another MCU movie in January. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I also didn't realize that uh, the Teen Titans were now part of marvel instead of dc because robert downey jr apparently plays beast boy since he's playing dr doolittle who can communicate with animals <laughs> i saw the cast for this i just gotta run through a couple of them and there's more rdj tom holland of course this is an mcu movie there's john cena selena gomez octavia spencer rami malek rami malek rami malek uh rami rami malek camille nanjiani uh ray fines Octavia Spencer, it's it goes on. It goes on and on. Yeah, it's it's insane. So that's probably where the entire budget went. The effects actually don't look that great to me, but the cast is probably going to be carrying this film. I I don't know, I don't really remember the movies as a kid, but they this seems like quite a deviation from what they were growing up. Yeah, this seems much more like a family adventure movie versus the comedy movies that the eddie murphy ones were but for the source material the dr doolittle stories or novels this seems much more in line with that and that's where the working title voyage of dr doolittle actually came from as well i believe that was one of the original titles for one of the either stories or novels and i think it probably follows the plot of that specific story although you know, details are a little bit hazy, and they will probably draw inspiration from a number of those different stories. But uh, it's it certainly seems interesting and different from the Eddie Murphy movies. However, one issue I had with this trailer is d don't mess with Louis Armstrong, don't don't change what a wonderful world. Just you know, keep keep it as it is. If you're gonna use that, that's fair. I 
don't know how I felt watching this trailer. I saw the cast and I don't know that that caught my eye more than the actual trailer itself did. It looks like it's going to be a very eclectic film, uh, very wonky, which fits with who they have in it. But I didn't even know this movie was coming out. It was somewhat of a surprise to me. So I, I will be excited to see what else they drop uh, the future trailers before release. And that releases the beginning of next year on January 17th, 2020. So the other trailer that I wanted to talk about this week is to uh, start getting us in the spirit, not the Halloween spirit. We're moving past that because haven't you heard? It's corporate America. Christmas started two months ago, Jacob. <laughs> so uh, the other trailer is for Last Christmas, which is apparently what happened after Daenerys uh, died and left Westeros. She became a wannabe singer uh, who works as an elf in a Christmas shop. Um, There was some weird tonal shifts within the trailer because there's like little bits of comedy sprinkled throughout. And, you know, it seems kind of bridesmaidsy, which makes sense because Paul Feig, who was the executive producer of Bridesmaids and some other films of that ilk, is directing this movie. But then it hits a really heavy emotional moment where you find out that the previous year, uh, the main character played by Amelia Clark almost died. And due to some sort of illness disease that keeps being mentioned in the trailer and, and, you know, maybe that has made her cynical or uh, not sure where she's going in her life until she meets this guy played by Henry Golding, who seems to change her perspective and bring her back around uh, what's interesting is the trailer that I found online was actually slightly different to the ones that I had seen on TV or in theaters, and it talked about how this movie is apparently based on the music of George Michael, who I guess um, had wrote the song Last Christmas, which uh, I, who knows how how much it truly affected the movie, or if they just wanted some name recognition there, but uh, I don't know. Jacob, do you have any thoughts on the trailer? Yeah, this... I mean, once I saw the name George Michael, it reminded me of that classic joke you say where uh, when we had first found out that George Michael died, uh, you said, this kind of happens anytime an old celebrity dies. You, you say, wow, they're still alive. Well, not anymore. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Uh, I miss... His music dealie, I did not know he wrote Last Christmas, so that was interesting. But I, I hope they're not just using him for the name recognition. I hope that ties in somehow. It seems very cheesy to me. You have this guy just happen to run into this girl two separate times at least. The classic line, are you a stalker? It's... It, really does seem like it's just a typical rom-com, but maybe there'll be some more depth to it. It's taking place during Christmas. Uh, there's that potential illness or life-threatening condition she had, which maybe last Christmas she physically gave someone her heart. That That's near lethal, so we don't know <laughs> how that will pan out. But I, I don't know. It's I actually was kind of impressed by a rom-com earlier this year, Longshot, with Seth Rogen, which is surprising because it's a rom-com and also it's Seth Rogen. But, <laughs> so I'll give this one a shot. I'm not going to get my hopes up for it, though. 
Well, we'll have to take a look and see if it's uh, worth it, see if it's going to become the Christmas classic that I'm sure it wants to be when it comes out on November 8th, 2019. Okay, Jacob, let's let's mentally steel ourselves, (laughs) shall we, to move into the review for Jexy, a film that you know, we had heard almost nothing about, and I'm sure a lot of listeners hadn't heard much about. So we'll be we'll be right back to get into that. Okay, Jacob. So <clears throat> the movie that we watched this week, as I mentioned before, was Jexy. Now I'm going to give you some facts about it because I'm sure that you are not familiar with it. And I'm sure, again, a lot of people that are listening are also not familiar with it. (laughs) So Jexy was directed by John Lucas, who was the writer for The Hangover, director of Bad Moms, Bad Moms Christmas, etc. And Scott Moore, who has pretty much the same resume. Uh, In our lead roles, we had Adam Devine as Phil, Alexandra Shipp as Kate, Rose Brin as Jexy, Ron Funchess as Craig, Charlene Yee as Elaine, Michael Pena as Kai, and Kid Cuddy as Kid Cuddy. Uh, that might come as a shock to you, but he plays <laughs> himself. Um, <laughs> budget for this movie was $5 million, which is about $4.5 million, probably too many. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there was no post credit scene, although there was a scene during the credits. It's not even like a mid-roll credit scene it's like the credits are happening and there's also a scene going on which is not uncommon but it furthers no plot i'm fairly certain that there's not going to be a jexy 2 so if you're looking out for the jexy cinematic universe sorry to disappoint <laughs> uh um and i want to lead off really quick by saying that the reason so we talked for a while about what movie to see this week and originally on our slate we had gemini man And then last minute on Friday morning, we decided to see this instead because of how bad the reviews were. They were just truly awful. Yeah, when we initially looked on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score was a 9%. And it's bounced around. I mean, we'll end up, we'll we'll get to that uh, at the end of the spoiler free section, but it's bounced around a bit. But a lot of the scores have just been so, so bad for this movie. And since we're in the spoiler-free right now, I think it's for good reason. Starting with just the film mechanics, the camera work was really bizarre. We both noted this. It was like an office-type thing where you'd have these weird zoom-ins or shaky cam, and then it would cut back to just a normal movie recording type thing it really didn't flow well at all there was no clear purpose to it no yeah it it did the really gross thing that i mean the you this was a problem that i had with the office and parks and rec and things like that where it does like the kind of yeah shaking to zoom in to further zoom in on someone's face as they kind of look into camera but not directly into camera which for the office kind of and parks and rec kind of makes sense because that's the onus of the show is that they're being filmed or whatever but that's never discussed here at all this is not supposed to be a pseudo documentary kind of thing so it was just it was bizarre and yeah like you said it bounced around between doing that and then just you know normal run-of-the-mill fine i guess camera work with no rhyme or reason between each of the uses and it was it was jarring not good visual storytelling 
that and the soundtrack was just interspersed kind of weird. It didn't have an original score. It was a lot of pop songs or instrumentals. It didn't really add an element. You could tell they were trying to invoke feelings or catch people with, oh, I recognize that song. I, I enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's a, I feel like a lot of movies like this do that a lot. I mean, like, there's a lot of this ilk that I can't even name because truly they are dime a dozen. Like, you get a couple of these every year. And, I mean, to be honest, this is actually one of the worst ones that I feel like we've seen uh, in a long time. <laughs> um, which, you know, honestly, I feel kind of bad for uh, Adam Devine because he's not, like, the greatest actor in the world, but I don't think he's that bad either. And he's certainly been typecast, especially after his roles in Workaholics and Pitch Perfect, and you can definitely see that in this movie. Anytime they need either, like, a kind of dumb or seemingly dweeby pseudo jock kind of guy or a guy that can maybe be a little bit chunkier that can again be ooh, socially awkward or dweeby or whatever he lands those roles which is a bummer and you know i feel like he could really stretch himself a little bit more so it was i was hoping that maybe we'd see a little bit of that here but you don't <laughs> it's funny too because this is the second r-rated movie that starts with a j with ties to The Hangover, last week was directed by Top Phillips, who directed The Hangover. But indisputably, indisputably, this movie was just way, way worse than last week's J film. And maybe even less funny, which is bad because the movie last week, Joker, wasn't that funny at all. No, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, what it breaks down to is I've seen actually a lot of comparisons here is that um in terms of the message and like general concept this movie's a lot like uh, Spike Jones's 2013 movie Her except that Her is uh you know good <laughs> it actually had yeah a good plot and interesting insights and meaning i i just don't think you could go in with lower expectations for this movie. If you could go in with less than zero, I think then you'll be okay. It's a shame this movie is R because the concept and content are just so juvenile. And I don't think many parents are going to take their kids to see it. I know in my theater, there was two other people. So it was me and two others. Just horrible marketing for this movie terrible word of mouth i don't even know if it's going to make back its budget it reminds me of a mike berbiglia joke where he opens and he says i know you told people you were coming to see me tonight and at least one of them said who i feel like that's with this movie except it's everyone you talk to yeah the <laughs> the only reason that we knew anything about this movie was because Facebook and Google are in cahoots or whatever, and they know that I go to a lot of movies now. And so I get Facebook ads for movies that I have literally never heard of before. And this was one of them, which I sent over to you, and I was like, hey, this looks really dumb. <laughs> we could maybe <laughs> review this. And I don't remember if even at the time it necessarily said when it was being released. And to that end, like there was a lot of difficult to... Uh, find information about this like we sir we literally searched for i think almost two hours trying to find the budget for this movie and that was very difficult to do 
it actually spanned two days too because we gave up when we were looking on either friday or saturday and it wasn't until today of recording that we found the budget for it so lionsgate's not very open to this film it's almost like they're embarrassed they're releasing it they're just like ah crap there's nothing we can do now i just uh this movie's humor wasn't well done it was a waste of michael pena and i that's unforgivable to me because he's a fun guy funny actor and ah there's not much to say during the spoiler free segment other than the critics were pretty spot on yeah i mean despite the critical reception though i'd say or the reception from critics there's definitely a subsect of people that will enjoy this and i know because i was in a theater with them um there was a couple of guys like several seats down that they were probably like 19 that were loving it one of these dudes just loved anything that happened he laughed at every joke he laughed at things that weren't jokes and at anything that was even remotely emotional or kind or polite like i think at one point somebody held a door and i heard him go oh so <laughs> i mean that's the kind of uh that's the kind of audience that i think this is playing to but i mean you know it's a very high school college kind of humor that they have in this uh movie and it lacks a lot of substance probably unsurprisingly i mean there were a lot of people in my theater laughing like i said and enjoying it but i wasn't one of them and uh I mean, it's interesting, and I'll let you mostly get into this, but the audiences on Rotten Tomatoes seem to like this movie. They liked it a lot more than the critics did, but that sentiment wasn't shared across the board on all the uh, score aggregators. No, the the ratings on this movie were just a mess. So I was in the theater. I was very unimpressed. There was a very young couple, two rows in front of me, that they were the other two and they were laughing having a good time at every joke so it, there's very much a split here and you can see that if you look at rotten tomatoes the critics gave this a 10 percent favorability which is pretty abysmal it's twice as good as the last airbender though so it, oh. <laughs> for what that's worth the audiences gave it a 69 percent which nice but you would think this translates to other review aggregators and that's just not it metacritic critics gave it a 39 out of 100 and the audience score was a 0.6 a point less than one out of 10 yeah you sent me that number and i was certain that i read it wrong i assumed that there was supposed to be a number before the 0.6 nope Granted, this is based on a very small number of reviews, less than, I think the most I saw on any site was like six or 800 for this movie, which is just pitifully small. Again, very, very few people have watched this movie, and it released in over 2,000 theaters, which is a little bit troubling, meaning that it got ranked on CinemaScore. Uh, it got a B- on that, which is pretty abysmal for a comedy, but it's not a C, so uh, the opening night audiences found it tolerable i guess on imdb it got like a six so the, not only was information on this movie hard to find but if you just look at all the critic and audience scores there's no consistency it was honestly the strangest film that was 
a wide release I've ever seen in terms of informational details and reviews. Yeah, so let's stop beating around this bush before we get into our uh, spoiler <laughs> segment, which I'm 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 making the uh, John Travolta and Pulp Fiction gesture because I'm like, is there even much to say in a spoiler section? But before we get there, Jacob, how would you rate this movie out of 10? My score out of 10 would be bad if it was out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving this movie a 2 out of 10. I'm very much in line with the audiences, or almost the audience, on Metacritic. Not everything was awful, but it was certainly the worst movie we've seen. Yep, I'm not even really going to try and justify mine. I also gave this a two. So with that said, we're going to move into our spoiler, I guess, section now. If you haven't seen this movie and you want to waste $15, uh... Go ahead and go to the theater and pay them. Watch it in IMAX. <laughs> yeah. 3D. So, look, here's the thing. We both have AMC A-List, and um, I still almost want my money back. But <laughs> <laughs> the the best part of this movie for me was the Knives Out trailer that I saw before the movie started. <laughs> so, if you want to go pay $15, see the Knives Out trailer, and then walk out, that's probably the best thing that your money's going to do for you. But... <laughs> If you do, for whatever reason, want to go see this movie and you don't want anything spoiled for you, please pause the podcast now. Or if you just want to go to see a train wreck in action, but not the movie train wreck, because that was actually an all right movie. Uh, <laughs> go ahead on down to the theater. Pause this podcast. We will be here. We live in your phone, not in your home. So we'll be here. You could even listen to it at the same time. You're not going to miss much. Yeah, that's That'd be interesting. This movie, more than any of the other movies that we've seen, has made me want to do a riff tracks kind of thing, too. Like, we could destroy this movie. We could tear this movie apart if we wanted to, I feel like. But anyway, go ahead and uh, bounce out if you want to go see the movie. And if not, we're going to get right into some spoilers. All right, I'm going to make a a long-winded comparison. So, did you ever know or have a class with some kid in high school who would do a presentation in front of the class and it was like it was awful he would ramble and he'd be constantly like losing his place his powerpoint didn't make sense and didn't articulate what he was trying to say he would read off of it but it still wasn't making a lot of sense the only Battle reason of the shakes yeah the only reason that you knew what the point or thesis of his presentation was is because he like blatantly says exactly it four times to you and like the rest of the presentation has effectively nothing to do with that thesis this movie is that guy and (laughs) i think that both the movie and the guy in this scenario like they finish and then they like smile to themselves and nod and go nailed it when they definitely did not nail it and there was a message that was supposed to go with this movie like the idea of you know set down your phones once in a while like be be present live in the moment don't only live with technology technology can't be your only friend which isn't a bad message to be sure but it only kind of touched on it and it made a huge joke out of it for the most part i don't know it just it did not effectively convey that message at all this movie had the potential to make a couple of interesting points along the way hopefully making you laugh in doing so and it it really didn't the best thing this movie had going for it is that it was 80 minutes long an hour and 20 minutes and we've had podcasts longer than that so for what it is it's at least a short pain 
you're not suffering through two or three hours of film, which I didn't even know was legal still. But nothing about this movie. I mean, it's just absurd. It's a modern comedy, so it doesn't need to make sense, but nothing is even remotely plausible. It didn't even get the kickball rules correct. If you can't even get kickball right, how on earth are you going to make a movie... The characters are wildly inconsistent. I'll, I'll let you dive into that later. I will say the best message this movie has is that it made fun of BuzzFeed. And I am okay with that because BuzzFeed is a dumpster fire exactly like this movie is. I gave it two points just for that. Yeah, you, you touched on the length of it being 80 minutes, which I guess maybe you could say it doesn't overstay its welcome. However, it like... I was even still kind of like I went in knowing that it was short and I even still was kind of wondering at some points where I'm like, all right, so are we almost at the end here or what? Like I, I don't consider myself that much of a snob, but both my girlfriend and I, after the fact, were like, yeah, if I didn't have to see the whole thing for this podcast, I think I would have walked out of this movie. I mean, it's a lot easier to say because we have a list and some movies are sort of free, but even so, like I it was not it was not a good movie i mean and i've seen a lot of bad movies again you know the movies especially when you're a guy and you're like 17 in high school and five of your 17 year old guy friends are like let's go see a movie and you all want to see some really dumb movie this is one of those movies and this is not nearly as good as any of those movies like go watch a project x go watch a, the night before some other dumb adult comedy that you watch at 17 to make you feel like you're older and more important than you are because this is this is not it this is not what you're going for but anyway in terms of the like length 80 minutes felt too long because to me this isn't an 80 minute film this is a 10 minute college humor sketch straight up it i feel like it was originally pitched as not even a short film just you know like a video for a youtube channel somewhere and then someone got that idea and ran with it they they decided that they wanted to make it into a full-on movie uh, and 80 minutes even was like you said that seems short for any movie like at least 90 minutes which again seems like a minor difference but those 10 minutes like it feels like they couldn't find something to fill those 10 minutes with because there wasn't much there but more than that it felt like there was a studio exec somewhere that was in in like a writer's room meeting where the movie was being pitched and the studio exec was like oh okay cool but we're gonna make this a blockbuster movie right and they're like, well, I mean, I don't know, like it was going to be like some kind of low key indie sort of comedy thing. And the studio exec was like, no, 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 no. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to have to do a bunch of things for me to make that like we need to make money off this movie. You got to understand. And here's how we're going to do it. OK, I need cars skidding across multiple lanes of traffic, like slamming on their brakes. And like, you know, all those those shots that they've gotten them Avengers movies that are making a lot of money. I need shots like those of cars. And the writer was like, well, how am I supposed to do that? And the studio execs like, I don't know, figure it out, write it in, stupid. The guy was like, oh, okay, well, I can probably work with that. And then the studio exec was like, hold on, I got something else, though. You know what audiences love? They love action sequences. So we need this main character to be chased by a car. He's running through, like, outdoor cafes. And this car is breaking through, you know, tables and, like, umbrellas and stuff. Like, have you ever seen Mission Impossible? Like, I want a scene like that. And the writer was like, um, okay, I guess. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's got to crash through, like, a glass storefront. And the writer's like, why? And he's like, I don't know, because it looks awesome. And he's like, okay, well, like, maybe I could make the main character get hurt by, like, a car that drives itself. And we can 
we can riff on it that way. And the guy's like, no, 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 he's going to be totally fine. And actually, it's going to be how he actually sort of wins. And the writer's like, I, I don't understand how that's supposed to work. And he's like, well, fine, ignore that part for now. Think on it because it's going to go in. But also, I need you to get someone like famous for this. And the guy's like, oh, okay, like I'm sure we can find some actor that we can get to have like a cameo or whatever. And the studio exec's like, no, 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 no. Actors, way too easy to put in movies. We need somebody else famous, someone who's not an actor, and let's make them act in this movie. And he's like, well, I mean, like, the intern's cousin, like, is a roadie for Kid Cudi, so I guess we can get him in on this. To that end, by the way, let me pause and say Kid Cudi's acting was fine. For not an actor, he acted as well as everyone in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) He he played himself and truly his real life self. Like, I feel like I could just stumble into his room and he'd cover for me. But yeah, thanks, Kid Cudi. And one thing this movie did do well also, I thought it was Kid Cootie until I was yesterday years old when I watched this movie. Learning it was Kid Cudi, that's information I can't place a value on. So good <laughs> job, Jexy, for that one piece. Yeah, one other thing, though, that the studio exec definitely told them to do, too, was, oh, also, we're going to do some nudity. And the writer's like, why? We don't need that at all. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're going to do some male nudity. And the writer's like, but why? And he's like, because that's still funny, right? And it's like, no, naked people aren't really funny anymore. Like, we can be way more subtle than that. And the exec is like, no, I don't think you can. I think that that that's that's how you're going to do it, okay? Because I'm spending the money on this movie, so you're going to listen to me. And, I mean, here's the thing. The real problem isn't necessarily that any of these things are in the movie, but they do feel forced. Like, I I mean, I was making a big joke out of it, but like in the context of the movie, all of those things do just generally feel like, let's just put that in there because we can. The only one that feels not as forced is actually the Kid Cudi thing. But even that, like they didn't have to wind up backstage. They could have just had them at a Kid Cudi show and actually had Kid Cudi in the movie playing himself on stage and that would have been like oh that's a cool cameo like they actually actually like got him for the movie but instead they forced them to you know end up backstage and hanging out with him and you know that probably is kind of the maybe the real him where it's like yeah i'd cover for somebody that seems like they just got this air about them but the the way that they got into that situation was ridiculous in general especially and you're the logic guy here especially when like just a couple of scenes before Kate was talking about like, oh, yeah, you know, like when I was growing up, I was kind of a good girl. And Phil's like, oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. And 12 minutes later, she's like, yo, let's sneak into this concert and then lie to security. And lie terribly, like clearly lying and security would just kick you out, wouldn't bring you to Kid Cudi for safety and personal and a million other reasons. And I mean, that's just one of a number of ways that the characters were like inconsistent. I'm stumbling over words here because I'm trying to figure out which point I want to talk about. None of these people felt real at all. (laughs) They were all cliches and stereotypes that you see in these kinds of movies, or they were definitely just super one-sided and not well explored. Like the two people that he makes friends with, Craig and Elaine, he makes friends with them because they all like the same movie, which, okay, that's definitely a way to make human connection. But then as soon as he that makes movie con- obviously wasn't Jexy, though. <laughs> yeah. But then as soon as he makes human connection with them, it's like, all right, 
let's basically ignore them and their friendship the rest of this movie. Until the very end, and that's after they've been sent a dick pic and everyone in the company, and then it's okay after that. Like, they're all still going to be pals or whatever. Yeah, it was, uh, the, mm, the characters in this were insane and weird and like bringing the ex back was super weird and they did again the very cliche thing of like oh the ex is back in town and you want to hate him but you can't because he's a real hottie and a really nice guy i mean sure i'm not saying that that's out of the question but i don't know this whole movie felt like (laughs) it was written by somebody who had never written a movie and they decided that they're like they wanted to make a hit movie by just getting a bunch of cliches like movie cliches that worked in different contexts in different movies and then they put them in a blender and they blended it all up and then it came out as a disgusting sludge and then they still tried to sell it to you at Jamba Juice. Well not only did they not watch a movie and tried writing one but they've never talked to people or seen people talk and they're like this script seems good enough like girls will say that's really creepy that you looked at pictures of me and called me at 11 p.m. after we met for 30 seconds on the street and you were more concerned about your phone than my well-being but sure let's go on a date i'll be super excited for it especially after it goes terribly i'll be willing to go with you on the streets at nighttime and bike ride through alleyways because that seems safe even though none of your lines are working that's how people fall in love right (laughs) that's it was just so so bad And I thought the female actor was fine enough. Who was that again? It was uh, Alexandra Shipp. Like, she was fine, but just her character made no sense whatsoever. Especially for, like, projecting bad stereotypes or or ditzy woman stereotypes in films as far as, like, oh, yeah, I'll just go into all these unsafe situations and I'll be okay. That's what I should do. Oh, my gosh. It really didn't go anywhere there there was i I give it one point also for making fun of like shallow screen culture and privacy rights although their point wasn't as deep as it seemed like they didn't really explore that at all it was very direct when they did he he like it, it, it was essentially the message of look on up by reliant k except that's a much better song and it's only four minutes So why not just listen to that and you'll get a better message than this film gave you. But it's somewhat rare-ish to have that in a movie. And there was a couple of laughs. There was also a lot of very cringy moments. Again, almost anything with Michael Pena in it. When he started flossing, I physically rolled over in my seat. It was not good. I, I got all the eye rolls from that scene very few lines actually hit i mean it wasn't like it was devoid of laughter i've seen less funny films somehow but it just really wore off fast especially jexy who had a couple of funny moments initially not enough to even exhale out of my nose but be like okay and that sentiment wore off quick especially because it turned into this thing where jexy was a possessive person in a relationship and it's ironic that this came out during domestic violence awareness month because it's played for laughter this controlling possessive relationship and because it's a man being stalked it it was supposed to be funny michael pena says 
hey, prison lips to Adam Devine at one point, and that's another thing, a male assault, that's supposed to be funny. But none of that was, and it, it was actually really problematic, and it's projecting this stereotype of, of it's funny if this was a male AI and a female character, it would actually be really unsettling. So I, I wish they had at least made some kind of commentary suggesting that that was a bad thing because it was. It, there, there's maybe like a half second of resolution at the end where she ap- apologizes, but it's it's this is like a fi- financially abusive and emotionally abusive. And these are things that happen in real life. I'm going to control your credit cards and your money and you won't be able to go out and see people and do all of these things. I'm going to ruin your life if you leave me. And that's not funny. That's actually really serious content. So to have that in a in a very poorly done comedy film, it lost half of its points for me. So it went from four to two. It really could have went from four to, to zero, but there was maybe a couple of redeemable moments somewhere. It made fun of BuzzFeed, I guess. So I, I can never justify anything above a two for that reason as well. Like you hit on with some of the comedy, there were some like decent lines, no scene in particular I found to be wholly funny. But I mean, again, there were some uh, decent lines, some, you know, funny moments. But the problem was, is that there were so many unfunny moments and it felt like they were constantly trying to hammer us with with more and more jokes over and over, whether or not we wanted them, that the good actually was super outweighed by the bad, leaving even the good lines to be completely forgettable, if if I'm being honest (laughs) with us. Yeah, the only line I remembered when he was saying, our lists have to be better than all the lists. And he said, like, Schindler's List and uh, Craig's List. And that was kind of funny. And I only remembered that because I wrote it down. I was like, this is probably going to be the only laugh I get. I mean, that's the problem is that I I know that I laughed a couple times. The only thing that really made me, gave me a good chuckle was the thing where Jexy said something about how you know, she's not that bad. I mean, do you remember when all the Samsung phones were catching fire? Because that was funny. That made me laugh a little bit. But for the most part, just these lines were so throwaway and forgettable. And it feels like this was almost supposed meant to be a cash grab in which it probably failed. Although who knows, maybe it maybe it'll make back more than its budget. And good luck to them, I guess. Here's to hoping that it does just so that we have another studio that can compete with (laughs) disney but if they're trying to compete with disney with this they're gonna they're gonna do a a real awful job uh something else real quick that i wanted to touch on again speaking a little bit to uh domestic um (laughs) violence month is that it was really unclear so there's the scene where kate's ex comes back and he's in the bike shop with her it was really unclear that apparently Phil and Kate were dating because uh she doesn't introduce him as her boyfriend. It's not very clear in that scene that they're dating and neither of them, him nor her, are phased at all when her ex just grabs her butt. And I was like, shouldn't someone be upset about that? Like either one of you or both of you maybe? Like that's just straight up harassment. Like I get that he's your ex, but that was also 5 years ago. The last time you saw him, you said, was five years ago, and now he's coming back into your life. And sure, catching up, and you guys seem to be having a good time, but he is groping you in front of your current boyfriend, and then he says, like, Phil, as they have their 
spat or fight or whatever out on the street he says something about like no i know you're gonna go with him to brazil or whatever and he's gonna be rubbing you up with suntan oil on his hand is gonna slip and fall onto your buttocks and she's like literally none of that has happened and i said literally one of those things just happened (laughs) (laughs) and she considered heavily going to brazil she's like i haven't said yes yet yet meaning probably yeah, it wasn't really clear because they had only gone on two dates, so it was supposed to be a breakup, but they didn't do any world building for that relationship at all. <laughs> at the very end of the movie, he punches the guy in the throat, and then he says, I love you to her, because that's how people fall in love. That's where you get these deep, lifelong love connections, is through two dates and a breakup and then being separated for longer than you were together. After, of course, meeting them on the street and stalking them to start the relationship. Yeah, I don't know. This movie was, like, way out there, given a bad impression and understanding of how to meet people. Especially, like, if this was meant to actually sort of talk to people who, you know, maybe do have a hard time disconnecting from their phones or from the internet or whatever and actually going out there and meeting people. It's a bad message to send to say, oh, yeah, you know do all these things that he did, even though they're saying, you know, they do call out being like, yeah, I mean, you know, this is really creepy, but it still worked for him at the end. So the final message there seems to much more be like, no, yeah, I mean, it's creepy, but uh, just continue to be creepy. Keep trying. And um, yeah, I'm sure it'll work out. I'm sure she'll be into you no matter what. Just don't give up. She will uh, not go get back together with her hot firefighter ex and go to Brazil, you know, her one dream in life uh and stay with you if you just continue to be sort of creepy and like you know persist because let me tell you (laughs) the one thing that women aren't interested uh women who aren't interested in you love is your persistence if you just don't give up let me tell you ooh, that'll work friend yeah i mean no no means maybe right apparently according to chexy um (laughs) oh my i just so many things rolling through my head who who would produce this movie and maybe i see why they put four dollars into marketing because they didn't want people to know they made this movie it's like they lost a dare from disney or they lost a bet and so they had to release this movie and put their name on it or something i i honestly just do not know yeah it's uh i mean again this is (laughs) This is a really short review segment, the shortest one we've ever had because there's not much to cover because there was not much. Well, one, it wasn't a long movie, but even in those 80 minutes, there was little to no substance, if we're being completely honest with ourselves. I did stumble across a Reddit thread where there was extras in this movie, the ones at the Kid Cudi concert, concert, and... Apparently, they got paid $100 to just have fun and listen to him perform live. Granted, it was they said it was a song Up, Up, and Away over and over again for four hours or whatever. <laughs> They're like, yeah, sometimes he was just mouthing words and nothing was happening, or sometimes it was uh, him actually singing it, or they were just playing the studio track, but uh, I guess they had a good time. But would you be an extra in this movie for a hundred dollars would that be something you want on your uh your acting credits i'd be an extra in this movie for a hundred dollars but i wouldn't put it in my acting credits <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a good way to make a hundred bucks and see kid cuddy play 
at least one song. <laughs> over and over and over. But it's a fun song, I guess. What about you? You know, I $100 is, is a decent chunk. I could pay for five months of a AMCA list, and I think that would probably be recompense for having to watch this movie. Uh, or uh, I think that'd be fair. So I wish they had contacted us at 35mm Perspective and, and asked that question, because of course they're watching us. <laughs> um, this will be a fun paper plate award at the end of the year, I think. Uh, I'm already concocting some ideas. <laughs> you know, it's just a shame, too, that it's a non-Disney studio flopping again. Lionsgate's had a, a couple of flops this year, so... They've also had some successes, John Wick 3 and, and whatnot, but... You know, this movie did abysmal opening weekend at the box office, and I can't imagine uh, it's going to be open much longer. It was already down to four showings at my theater, and that was... Less than a week after the movie came out. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I have a hard time seeing some movies around me as it is because for some reason the Seattle area uh, theaters are weird. But yeah, there were barely any showings of this on opening weekend, which is insane to me. That being said, were there any redeeming moments you thought this movie had? Did it do anything right? Um, not much. I mean,. <laughs> It sort of made you want to think about maybe putting down your phone or whatever. But again, there's way better movies to well, movies or, you know, other media to consume to uh, get that same idea. I mean, it's good for a cheap one singular cheap laugh, but for 15 bucks, definitely not worth it. Yeah, off the top of my head, Black Mirror, Her and that Reliant K song are all better alternatives with less, less problematic themes in it uh, that will save you time or at least some head-scratching, cringy moments and a waste of Michael Pena, which is unforgivable, like I said. It did bring... This is something that uh, I didn't think would ever happen. It did bring a new meaning to the phrase phone sex. Yeah. One of the more strange things i never thought i would ever see and really should never have seen in my life i don't want to plug my phone in ever again to be honest i i have a separate bone to pick with that a little bit in terms of continuity errors he plugged his phone in on both the top and bottom on multiple different occasions which uh come on hmm. that seems so simple to, to <laughs> not miss and yet they did. I mean, there were a number of continuity errors, too. Like, in the scenes at the Kiketi concert, people were mouthing the wrong words. Um, it was yeah. it was a mess. It was all over the place. Uh, again, themes weren't great. Production was not good. Cinematography was, you know, whatever, I guess, fine, but not fantastic, with the exception of that weird camera work, which was awful. I don't know. It's This movie wanted to be her, but again, it's... It's a bad version of her, and I, I like—I don't know if they meant it to be like a parody or something, but if they did, they did a bad job at even that, because more than anything, it wasn't a parody of her. It became a parody of itself. It really did, and even down to, again, it got kickball wrong. The, the cell phone saleswoman, I thought, was one of the worst characters in the movie. She, just vulgarity with no rhyme or reason. 
and really just an eye roll every time she said words, very aggressive. And again, if that's the movie you're going for, it's, it's fine. But it, the laughs didn't, didn't hit there. I don't know. It just brought up a lot of characters. It came back to everyone at the end. It hit her at the end with the car almost hitting her. It brought the friends he made earlier in the movie back very briefly, but it just, everything resolved itself very fast. Everything moved very fast. 80 minutes. I think your analogy to college humor was perfect. This is a 10 minute short that got stretched into an 80 minute film. But as for anything I could say, just don't really watch this. I even, it's not even bad enough to be good enough to watch. You might laugh once or twice. You might get a small smile. It's truly a 2 out of 10, though. Yeah, there's way better places that you can spend your $15 this weekend, is what I'll say. Um, But beyond that, Jacob, do you have any parting thoughts? Don't take the advice of this film if it means you're going to stop listening to 35mm perspective. But no, actually, uh, you know, that's the only nugget of wisdom is, you know, just... Look at the world around you from time to time. It really is a a beautiful place. And you got that in a 50-minute podcast, not an 80-minute film. At least I hope that we're able to convey that. All right, Jacob, if anybody wants to tell you why this movie was actually perfect, there's nothing wrong with it. And uh, it's, yo, it's actually a deep film. You have to move beyond the dick pics and the you know, the weird prison lips jokes, but it's it's all there. This is a better movie than her. How can they get in touch with you? If you're Andy Devine, <laughs> um, you can reach me on Twitter at PWG Jacob, the letters P-W-G-J-A-C-O-B. You can, you can tweet at me or DM me, Andy, and we could talk about why you think that. Uh, but this is the one movie I think I'll stand my ground on the most. If you want to get in touch with me, you can get at me on Twitter at PWG Grant. That is P-W-G-G-R-A-N-T. If you want to email the podcast at large, if Lionsgate wants to tell us to take down this podcast <laughs> for some reason, uh, you can email us at 35millimeterpod at gmail.com. That's 35mmpod at gmail.com. The uh, podcast is on iTunes, Spotify. If you want it somewhere else, please let us know. Uh, email us. DM us on Twitter, whatever. We'll try to get it onto your favorite podcast listening uh, platforms. But until next week, where I really desperately hope we see a better movie, Jacob, thank you for another (laughs) great week. And hopefully you all can forgive us and you'll be back next week. 35mm Perspective is a Players with Game production. All opinions within the podcast are our own. Michael Campos is our composer. All rights reserved.